Randy, some people talk about product management like it's a one-size-fits-all thing. I always find that weird. Yeah, like when people assume that someone who worked at one of the big Silicon Valley firms is automatically going to be the best fit for their startup. And, you know, just spread that magic pixie dust, even if that person has never been in that kind of an environment. I've worked in companies of different sizes over the past few years, and there are some things that definitely translate between them, but some things I had to learn whole new approaches for. So we're going to get deeper on that this week with Liz Klo, CPO at Memo. Liz has also worked at startups, scale-ups, and enterprises, and she's got a great way of talking about what the differences are and how to prepare to thrive at any of them. And it's even got an acronym. I need to create something with an acronym. Okay, let's work on that after the chat. The Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week on the podcast, we talk to the best product people from around the globe. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and discover loads of free resources to help you with your product practice. You can also find more information about Mind the Product's conferences and their great training opportunities happening around the world and online. Create a free account on the website for a fully personalized experience and to get access to the full library of awesome content and the weekly curated newsletter. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities. There's probably one near you. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the podcast. It's so lovely to be talking to you today. Hi, Lily. Hi, Randy. Nice to, nice to be with you tonight. So before we get stuck into our topic, it'd be great if you could give us a real quick intro to who you are and what you're doing in product these days. Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, I'm Liz. I'm the CPO at a Swedish startup called Memo. Um, but I got into products quite a long time ago. Um, like several uh, several people working in products, I like to talk about the days before we even called it products. So um you know, the early 2000s, after being a journalist for a few years, I kind of stumbled by luck, by fluke, who knows what, into uh, into product when I was working at the BBC. Um, and yeah, had a, a number of years working across uh, the likes of BBC News, BBC Sport, um, as a product manager. I was part of the BBC's first product team, where we were very fortunate, had Marty Kagan kind of flown over to, to come and kind of coach us. And uh yeah, that's how I how I got into product, really. I think there's quite a few synergies with journalism through, you know, kind of digging into things, research, being curious. And uh, yeah, as I say, a bit of luck um, as much as, as anything. And, you know, fast forward through the years. After that, I went and worked uh, in a couple of other news companies, including uh, at News UK, where I headed up product at The Sun. And then after the kind of stint um, in the media, I moved into kind of marketplace uh, companies. So I was at, at Groupon, um, which obviously is an e-commerce company. Uh, I then worked in the iGaming sector at iTech Media and then, yeah, now at, uh, at Memo. Awesome. So you've had quite a wide and varied career working in lots of different types of product businesses. And so today we're going to be talking to you about some of that really varied experience that you've had in different sized product organizations um, and what it's like doing product in those different types of businesses. But when you think about 
your experiences in those different organizations was size the kind of the main factor of the differences between them or were there other things at play that really distinguished the roles that you were doing and and how it impacted what you needed to do so i definitely don't think size is the only factor i think it's it's but it is significant i think you know working in a startup scale up or a more established kind of enterprise company is different and what i've uh, come across is, you know, lots of people are quite intrigued by that and often ask me, you know, what, what's the difference? You know, I see myself as a startup PM or I see myself only working in big companies. And, and actually, I think there's, there's not so much, um, difference in the fundamentals in those places. Obviously, how, uh, how that kind of manifests itself and how, how you actually do product management or, or be a product, uh, leader of product managers in those environments can vary, but it varies whatever organisation you work in, whatever sector you work in. But the size can have a, a massive impact um, in in how you do product. And, you know, I think it's definitely as people, you know, I know a lot of product managers are looking for new roles at the moment. The market's been really tough. And I just think, uh, you know, I'd really encourage people to look look outside where they've worked previously and uh, and kind of open their eyes to other opportunities because, I think there's perhaps a misconception that startups can always be really, really fast and enterprise companies really slow. And I, I don't think that's always uh, strictly true for, for, for many reasons. So Liz, if it's not size or stage of the company, what are the distinguishing factors that we should look for in, in deciding, is this one right for us? Is this the type of opportunity we should go for or maybe branch out into? So I think it depends on what you're looking for in your career, but moving into a different size company can you know, really stretch you and create a load of growth opportunities that you perhaps wouldn't get by staying in the same environment. Um, and there, there are so many similarities as well as differences. And, you know, I've, I've kind of broken this down into, um, you know, a bit of a uh, kind of looking at the different kind of pillars that, that you could compare and contrast those organisations. And, you know, a nice little acronym scale, just to make it really easy to to remember, um, really looks at some of those 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 pillars ultimately. So scale stands for strategy, customer centricity, agility, leadership, and execution. And and those are things that we all talk about as product managers. And uh, you know, if we were to dive into into some of those, I think there's. Uh, as I say, kind of some uh, some just different ways that you would approach them. So perhaps I'll start with strategy. And, uh, you know, what I've seen uh, in startups is that you can go into a startup and, and, and you might be, you know, one of the first things I've experienced is, you know, people on the ground, your team, your colleagues saying, oh, I really feel like what's missing is a strategy. What does that look like, you know? Uh, we're trying to do lots of things, but we don't really know where we're going. And I think that's where as a uh, as a product manager or as a leader of product managers, it's it's our job to to come in and and help bring that uh, that that plan, bring the the company together, uh, centered around around those, uh, you know, where we want to get to. Obviously, as a strategy, we're ultimately looking at where are we now and where do we want to get to? And what are you know, in startups, Often it does exist. It exists in, you know, the wonderful brains of, of some of the entrepreneurs I've worked with. But 
it doesn't exist as something that uh, the teams can really rally around and get excited about. And, and so that's one of the things that you really want to be able to do when you, when you come into a, a startup environment to, to bring some of that product thinking to really kind of think about the goals, think about the customers you want to focus on, the market landscape, and do it in a really quite timely way, you know, quite a lean way. Um, doesn't have to take weeks or months to to start to pull that together and, and bring some shape around strategy. Um, and uh, as I say, in, in startups, scale-ups, sometimes that's what they're crying out for. And that's often why entrepreneurs bring in experienced product people to to bring some of that uh, into the organization and, and focus everybody around that. And my so my experience um, is mainly in startups. And I've always imagined like the the kind of the strategy process in startups tends to be quite fluid and you know a little bit chaotic maybe. <laughs> I always imagined that doing strategy like product strategy and and putting your product strategy together in a much bigger organization or or kind of older organization would be like a much more mature process and a much more defined process. Is that the case or or is there still that kind of scrabble around for <laughs> for information and and data and and buy-in from different people and trying to have those conversations and get alignment and and all of that kind of thing um it can be all of those things and i guess it really depends on you know the uh the, who who the most senior product person is that's in place and whether they've managed to have some of those um conversations and bring some of that alignment before before you've joined but um, you know, not always. I think, you know, although we live and breathe product, it, it still can be, you know, the thought of a product strategy as opposed to a business strategy or a marketing strategy can be, you know, a, a new lens on which to, to look through. And, and so, um, it always depends. But I think what I've seen in the larger organizations is increasingly, colleagues and senior leadership looking to product teams to to bring a fresh pair of eyes um, because what we can often do in those organizations is is help break down silos and I think that's one of the really important things we can do as product managers in in larger organizations is bring uh, bring together you know conflicting strategies conflicting plans and help to be you know to bring that product-led approach to um, bring data and insight into the conversation and not just um, uh, not just have a, a strategy focused purely on on revenue um, and, and and goals of that nature so it can take time but a lot of that time can be around the the communication aspects of, of working as a product manager having those conversations as I say bringing that uh, that insight to the table and and getting everybody on the same page, I think that's the biggest risk to the larger organisations is where they are uh, working in, in separate ways. And, and as I say, increasingly, I think in those larger organisations, they're looking for fresh ways to do this to, to align everybody. So when you're working on um, on the strategy in the larger organisation, I, again, this is like me theorising like what it's like to, to be in that position, but... Um, again, I sort of imagined that in order to get all of the inputs into your strategy, it's a very much a case of managing lots of other people and resources to help you 
formulate that plan. Whereas in a startup, you know, you, you might not have someone who's heading up research or a data analytics team. So you're very much kind of doing, doing the work yourself as well as putting the strategy together. Do you think that's a, a fair sort of summary of the potential differences there? Yeah, I think it absolutely, you know, can be, you know, the, the time it takes to pull those um, those people together, because you want that input, of course, from, you know, various parts of an organisation. Sometimes it depends on the, you know, how um, how empowered you are as a, as a product leader, for example, in those in environments. You know, one of the larger companies I worked in, you know, I had a great deal of autonomy to to, to, to create and lead and, you know, um, pull that, that strategy together. Um, great freedom around kind of um, a budget, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that, that makes it a lot easier. If you've, if you've got that understanding of what budget you've got to play with, you know what team you've got, you're fairly aligned with, um, with, with where the business is trying to go, then, then actually you can, you can get started fairly quickly. But it's still super important. You know, your strategy is never going to be successful unless you take everybody on that journey. And, you know, I I really kind of stress upon that. That's such an important part of that role in the larger organisation is having those difficult conversations. Because what you also want to be clear about, and again, I'd probably bias this towards the larger organisations, is... Um, you know, making sure you're very clear about what you're not going to focus on as well and not, you know, for the next, you know, X period of time, this is our focus. But just as importantly, this is what we're not going to do. We're not going to do this right now. We might come back to it in the future, but to create focus, which is what you really want in a strategy, it's as much about being transparent and saying no to things and and being uh, being really uh, kind of clear about that to, to your colleagues so that you can get that buy-in and um, and that's just a that's a never ending conversation, of course, as well. Liz, one of the ways of creating that alignment and creating that focus on strategy is by using OKRs. And I know you've got thoughts on the different ways that they're used at different size and stage companies. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm a big fan of OKRs. You know, ultimately, they're there to help you know, our strategy to, to see whether we're going in the right direction and to help us execute on that strategy. So, um, but it doesn't mean OKRs are always easy. And, you know, one of the larger organisations I worked in, you know, there was a little bit of resistance to introducing OKRs on a grand scale. So it, it felt much more natural and uh, and was more successful just to start that small, you know, taking one uh, one squad or one product team and and playing around with using OKRs and seeing the uh, whether that worked and whether that was successful before steadily rolling it out further. But I've also seen, you know, in other um, organisations, in particular in kind of the startup scale up type world where, you know, teams have already played around with OKRs, but perhaps they're not quite working for them. And, and you know, I think going into those organisations and, and having a fresh pair of eyes is, is always so, so, so helpful. But I've seen you know, perhaps the OKRs being taken over by process or by the software that's being used to to track them, etc. That can be so painful and so draining to teams. Um, and so I'd rather not use OKRs at all if they're just being used for the sake of it, rather than helping to, to guide the teams and to guide the strategy. So, you know, again, uh, you know, keeping it really simple, having, you know, making sure that 
um, whether that's the the teams themselves are centered around just a single objective underpinned by, you know, three, four, five at the most KRs is all it needs um, rather than having, you know, teams having multiple OKRs or individual and uh, OKRs that kind of, you know, span all sorts of uh, different kind of sets of teams. So getting in there and and, and really yeah, going back to basics, you know, OKRs at the absolute fundamental are there to guide us, there to create alignment between teams, there to, you know, set really stretchy, ambitious goals, but they're also there to create focus and not be uh, taken over by the process that, that it takes to get there. So I always encourage teams, start small um, and, uh, you know, build from there, make sure that they're working for you. In where, where I am at the moment at, at Memo, you know, we we use OKRs. We stopped using them for a while when we found that the process wasn't right for us. But now we centre um, all teams in the company around three simple okay sets of OKRs, and that really works. And so it doesn't matter whether somebody is a product manager, whether someone's an engineer, a salesperson. We're all centred around three OKRs, which we know are super important to us. And, and, and we're able to measure and track using kind of leading metrics to, to make sure we're on the right path. And then pivoting when we're not, you know, one of the things, um, you know, that we've done at Memo is, is pause a KR, um, you know, midway through a quarter. I wouldn't always encourage that. But actually, when we are moving, and, and, and we've been, you know, kind of, uh, evolving our, our strategy over the the last six months or so as we've we've moved from a kind of more B to C world into into B to B, and it just made sense to pause a specific thing that we were working on and and reset that that KR. Don't carry on with them throughout a quarter just because you've set them at the start. That's not helping your strategy either. Um, you know things do change. Um, that's not to say I would encourage changing them all of the time. You need some kind of stability, obviously, but you know, don't carry on with them if they're not working for you, if they're not working for the team and and make sure your teams really buy into them. Otherwise, you know, what, what's the point? Hey, Randy, are the rumours true? Billy, I can't believe it. MTP are giving away all nine of the San Francisco keynote talks for free, both a recording and a written summary of each one. And handy discussion points and thought starters to think about solo or with your team. And an email notification each time a new talk is published on mindtheproduct.com. So you'll never miss a talk and be the first to hear when the next one is hot off the press. Of course, nothing can be attending MTPCon in person, but this is the next best thing. So sign up at mindtheproduct.com forward slash SF keynote kit that's mindtheproduct.com forward slash sf keynote kit yeah absolutely um so we've really deep dived into strategy which is the first part of the the scale acronym which i like by the way sometimes i'm not keen on an acronym when it feels like it's been shoved into a into make up a word, but I feel like this one makes a lot of sense. So um, I'm Great. a fan. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one was customer centricity. So how does that differ between, um, or how is it the same between larger orgs and the, the smaller startups? 
Well, certainly in the larger organisations, I think the opportunity there is for us to make sure that customer insight isn't siloed and is there for, um, you know, for all to share. Um, you know, I think traditionally and historically, um, you know, customer insight might have sat in a marketing team or something like that. But, you know, as as companies become much more product led, you know, there are there, there are snippets of insight and data that just should be um, shared around as much as possible, whether that's, you know, getting uh, people from customer service involved, as well as obviously kind of UX researchers, marketing teams, etc. And so part of the role in a larger organisation is to, to be that catalyst for change and to encourage that sharing and democratising of, of, of any insight that's coming in and, and perhaps helping um, surface that through processes, through showcasing, um, through um, kind of team teamwork to bring all of that together. So I think that's where um, in, a, in a large organisation that I've seen the biggest opportunity, as I say, bring that to, to the fore. So it's it's not hidden away and so everybody is, is thinking and talking with the customer at the heart of everything. Um, and then at the other end of the spectrum, you know, it, it can be about, you know, showing the value of getting that customer insight in, in startups, you know, where people have been so busy and trying to get um, that product market fit really early, perhaps haven't had the enough team um, or, or enough specialists to be able to really focus on that. And I think, again, you know, in that in that startup environment, it's it's making sure that the value of that that insight, uh, the value of of data at the heart of the business is uh, is is really your focus. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, so it is different between the the the, the smaller companies or the, and the more established companies. But um, it doesn't mean that nobody's thinking about customers. It doesn't mean that nobody's digging into data, but actually it's both surfacing it in the larger organisations and then actually using it and finding value and taking action off it that I've seen in, in startups. That leads really nicely into the, the next bit uh, about agility. And I think a lot of what you're talking there is using the customer centricity and the strategy uh, that we've already talked about in a way to create empowered teams. But how does this vary? What are the different levels of challenge that you see? So I think in terms of agility, it's yeah, absolutely about creating an environment where teams can work quickly. So what does that mean? It means uh, enabling people, enabling product managers to be able to be the decision makers. Ultimately, they're closest to the customers, they're closest to the data. They should be in an environment where they can make decisions because product managers have to make I'm going to say hundreds of decisions a day, uh, whether that's prioritization calls or, or whatever it might be. And we need them to be able to do that. So um, I think, you know, empowering people can and, and setting up empowered teams with product managers and designers and engineers, et cetera, all working really together and collectively that can happen whatever size of organization. It just comes from will. It comes from leadership to set that environment up and, and make sure that it can um, that it can happen and those teams can uh, really move very, very quickly. Um, so, you know, that's that's, uh, you know, what we, we want to encourage. And I think 
uh, in a startup environment, sometimes that agility can be seen as being very busy. You know, teams, there's always so much to do in a startup. You know, as you say, Lily, you that's the environment you're so familiar with. And it's, it's so busy. There's always so much to do. But actually, by creating that team environment, and again, that's where OKRs comes in as well, you know, to, to enable uh, people to move quickly, you need uh, you need clarity, clarity on the direction you're going on, set up of the teams so that you, they, they're trusted, they understand what being empowered means, they understand what it means to, to take decisions. And then, you know, as a, as a product leader to be able to, uh, to really encourage that. And, and sometimes that takes, you know, coaching because not everybody's used to that empowerment, especially if they've come from an environment where that doesn't exist before. Um, and so I've worked in, in places before when with my engineering counterpart, for example, we've spent time really articulating what, what is meant by being empowered, what trust does look like. And, um, I think just having that freedom um you know it kind of well you just see the best work don't you when uh, when you give people the uh, the environment to thrive and to make decisions they'll go on and do exactly that and it's not the wild west people aren't off just going off and doing their own thing that's still within the overarching kind of strategy the the okrs that that sit there and um and sometimes you know in the scale up environments and startup environments of of being in you know making sure that we've got that uh that layer of uh communication where uh uh, kind of product managers can come back for for feedback, can come back for advice, can be unblocked, um, and so you need the right forum set up for that. I've called them previously things like strategy sync. So you have a check in with those empowered teams on a regular basis. So you're there, kind of unblocking them, helping them, encouraging them um, to to go and uh, kind of you know crack their OKRs and uh, uh, and move their piece of the jigsaw forwards. So. Moving on to the leadership element of the the SCALE acronym, what's the difference there then? Because I imagine like that is definitely, surely that has to be one area where it is quite different between a startup environment and a much bigger organisation. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it looks different in different environments. And, you know, in that larger organisation, often leadership is about, yes, setting up the teams to be empowered. It's about the, you know, the the communication and the dialogue that you're having to have with, with other colleagues um, in other parts of the business um, to, to, to make sure that you've got that alignment. In a startup environment, leadership can look very different. Sometimes you're rolling up your sleeves much, much more um, and leading by example. Um, and, uh, you know, it, so, so it can look um, very different. What's similar, though, is, you know, as a leader, whatever size of organization you're in, you're there to bring that product mindset, whether that's in a startup, bring that into the entire company often um, to bring that data-driven mindset to make sure that um, that collaboration and communication is is happening. But, you know, you see that as you go through the size of organizations, you know, scale-up environment, your leadership role is often hiring and, and recruiting a team, you know, um, where uh, you need to trust and 
and uh, take on other people in your team to to manage the day to day because so much of your time is spent on on recruitment in in a scale up environment. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Once you get to the the larger organization, you have to have the the right setup. You have to have the the teams in place. You have to have the processes because so much of your time is spent with other parts of the organization in getting buy in in um, understanding where the business is is going and and some of those other um, areas that you need to to put your focus on. So it varies, um, but it's ultimately where whatever size of organization, it's about bringing that product mindset, about bringing um, data and insight, about setting up teams for success. Um, but yeah, you're doing it in a in a in a slightly different world. But it's really exciting and challenging. Whether um, that's the larger organization or the small one, it's just different ways of approaching it. And how do you how do you kind of manage upwards in both of those scenarios? Because if you're like a product leader in a smaller startup um, or, or scale up, you're probably like very close to the the CEO or founder um, and the C suite. If you're not in the C suite, and then in a in a kind of much bigger organization, you can be a product leader, you know, a head of product, but not not have that closeness to the to the c-suite so how do you kind of juggle the sort of differences in how you approach managing up in those two situations so i think i've been really fortunate because in the larger organizations i've worked in i have worked really closely with the c-suite either reporting directly into the a cpo or a cto on occasion uh so so though you know that managing up has has not been too too challenging um i can imagine that in some circumstances where you're you're a bit far removed from that then yeah it would make it really difficult but that's not my experience i think um actually you know in those larger organizations i mean it, it's it's super important. You can't you can't really be uh, hugely effective, I don't think, as a as a product manager, as a product leader, unless you have that interaction with the the C suite, either directly or or indirectly, because you know what we're doing has to be aligned with the uh, the direction the company is going in, and you know to kind of encourage that product led that product mindset within the organization you want to be able to have those those opportunities so maybe i've been been quite lucky there and i don't have any um any kind of times where where that's been really difficult you're absolutely right in a kind of startup scale environment work really really closely with uh, ceo founders um and that's great because that really helps bring in that product mindset into not just in into their environment but the wider leadership team as well and i think you know a lot of um, entrepreneurs a lot of founders you know are really uh kind of really switched on to you know the way product um product managers think the way we work and the and the benefits we bring to an organization and and having that really regular dialogue uh just helps you know it doesn't just help product management and a product department but it actually helps a business as a whole to to bring in some of those great practices that we have um so 
yeah, it's it's definitely different, but I've not had the experience in the larger organization, which hasn't enabled me to to speak pretty much directly to, to C-suite all the time. Thank goodness, because I think it would be really, really challenging if you didn't have those those avenues and those routes to uh, to celebrate and uh, and uh, to work with those people. Liz, how much does coaching and uh, relationship management come into it at these different size and stage organizations? Yeah, I mean, coaching is absolutely fundamental. Whatever organization size we're working in, you know, that one-to-one coaching is just a, a non-negotiable from from my point of view. It's so important. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, just having that in place uh, to to be able to uh, encourage to provide feedback and to to you know help your the people in your team be the best possible product manager that they can be. It's it's super important. And also in a larger organization, what you can do through that coaching is is give insight that perhaps you know your team members won't have you know a little bit like we were just talking about about being uh you know whether you know you have access to you know the conversations from the c-suite and things like that your role as a as a as a product coach in that environment is to also feed information and um insight into the wider business to, to into into your team members so coaching absolutely uh crucial um non-negotiable and uh is just you know one of the best parts of 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 being a product leader to you know help help encourage your your product managers to or designers to be the best that they can be and speaking of excellence that's a nice segue into the last point on the acronym which was execution um and doing that excellently um so tell me more about this like what are your experiences when it comes to execution uh in both different sizes of org well ultimately regardless of size of org i think execution is where we're all judged isn't it you know this is where we are successful or or not so successful because regardless of you know we can have the best product environment and the best people but if we're not hitting our goals and if we're not delivering at a speed that uh, that meets expectations then you know you're going to have you're going to struggle to 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 kind of really prove success so i think where execution excellence really comes in is is bringing that alignment and you know making sure that um, what we're being judged for and how we're being measured is is really crystal clear. So there's no surprises. Um, and again, kind of that's where where I really like things like OKRs because you, they can be front and center of how we're judged and and how teams uh, themselves can judge whether they're being successful and whether they're moving in the right direction. So I think you know it is really uh, it's ultimately we've we've got to be able to move at pace we've got to be able to deliver against our outcomes but of course we know in the product world we we don't always know what that looks like and you know making sure that those conversations around being very outcome focused rather than just you know feature led or output focused is important so you don't wait until you're you know you're suddenly delivering lots of things you want to align your colleagues your leadership team 
around those outcomes very, very early on. Because otherwise, I think, it, you know, you can get into situations where product teams can be judged for, you know, whether they are delivering certain features or whether they are delivering by a certain date. Of course, you know, that's that's just not an environment you want to be in. So my message there is, you know, let's, you know, you want to be able to move at pace, but you want to be able to move at pace to deliver those outcomes, because that's what uh, will make a successful business that will make really happy teams and, uh, and happy bosses as well if we're hitting those goals. So, um, yeah, it's uh, that doesn't vary so much regardless of, of uh, environment. I don't think, you know, you're you're judged on that in the larger organisations, of course, and uh, in the in the smaller organizations you know there's a lot of focus on pace and you know hitting product market fit very early on and so you know we we have to set up that environment where where people can can do all of those things and you know product managers and engineers and designers and researchers working very very closely together having those empowered teams is is crucial to that as well when um when i was reading about scale and came to the execution element of it it reminded me um very early on in my career of a of a boss that i had who would always talk about like what good looked like and you know do you know what good looks like and i was always just a bit like what but but now i find myself saying it you know a lot to other people of like you know as a team what does a good, you know, even just like, what does a good user story look like? Or what does a good Jira ticket look like? And what does a good presentation to the business look like? What does it achieve? And for me, like that execution element, and even in the micro tasks or like work that you do as a product manager, it really kind of speaks to that side of things as well for me um, and and how important that is in all of those different areas to know um, to know what good looks like and to be able to strive for that and make sure that you're always improving and you're you know you're really being the best that you can be so yeah I just love that execution excellence is like perfect <laughs> thanks Lily and and I think that's really you know that just reminded me of something as well which is you know, you really want to, you know, the, the old cliche progress over perfection. That's one of the things I say all of the time. Yeah. But, you know, one of the great things in a scale up and a, and a larger organization is having a, a, a larger group of product managers that you're working alongside and, and creating that, that kind of community of, of product management. So you're all learning from each other. So, you know, as you say, kind of, you know, some of those things, it, you know, what does good look like? you know, I don't have all the answers. Every individual product manager doesn't have all the answers, but together, hopefully we can crack it and encourage each other continuously to be better and better and, and strive for, you know, that good, as you say. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Liz, it's been so great talking to you about um, all of this stuff. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been, uh, it's been great to chat. Thank you very much. The Product Experience is the first and the best podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver. Lou Ron Pratt is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg based band POW, that's P A U. 
Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank, regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. <laughs> <laughs>